0: M S W Media. A big thanks to Splendid Spoon for supporting the Daily Beans. Splendid Spoon sends delicious plant-based meals and snacks designed to fit into your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Go to SplendidSpoon.com/dailybeans for fifty dollars off your first box when you subscribe. And thanks to Avast for supporting the Daily Beans. With Avast One, you can confidently take control of your online world by helping you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cybercrimes. Learn more about Avast One at avast.com. Hello, and welcome to The Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 12, 2022. Today, Bill Barr has been subpoenaed in the Fox Dominion lawsuit. Lindsey Graham has been ordered to testify in the Fonnie Willis probe. Steve Bannon is routed in court and goes to trial Monday. The January 6th committee holds a hearing today. Trump's real estate appraisers Cushman and Wakefield reach a deal with a New York attorney general. A doctor proposes a floating abortion clinic in the Gulf of Mexico in federal waters. Oathkeeper's leader Stuart Rhodes tried to get Kelly Sorrell to put him in touch with the White House. And Fox News says falling gas prices are a threat to democracy. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, 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 everyone. Happy Tuesday. Happy hearing day. I'm actually recording this on Monday, so it's still like I still have one more sleep to go. But as you're listening to this, you are very excited because we get a committee hearing today and it's going to be an important big one. So, you know, we thought there'd be a hearing on Thursday. There was rumors. They never actually confirmed it, but that hearing will not happen. So it's not being postponed because it never really existed in the first place. But the rumored hearing Thursday night is not going to happen Thursday night. Tuesday's hearing will be the only hearing this week. And the news stations are going to just play clips of it over and over again for the entirety of the week until next week when we get to the Bannon trial. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Lots of good news today. I have a little schadenfreude to throw in there for you. And after that, we will go over the good news. You can submit your good news stories, which I desperately need. And uh, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and just click on contact and that's how you do it. And it doesn't have to be a good news story. It can be confession or correction. If I mispronounce something or I get something wrong, something legally wrong, anything you could send in, uh, photos, pet photos, happy place photos. If you have a small business, you want to give a shout out to your small business, send it in to us. Again, dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. We have so much news to get to today. So let's hit the Hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. Baby. Oh my God. Steve Bannon got his ass handed to him last night and again this morning. And it was beautiful. It was a sight to behold. In a late night court filing last night, the Department of Justice told the court that Bannon's 11th hour change of heart to cooperate with the committee with his little letter from Donald Trump was only because he was about to get to the find out portion of fucking around. Quote, the defendant's last minute efforts to testify almost nine months after his default, he has still made no effort to produce records, are irrelevant to whether he willfully refused to comply in October 2021 with a select committee subpoena. Any evidence or argument relating to his 11th hour efforts should therefore be excluded at trial. That was what they were pushing for. That's what they wanted the, the judge to do today. Then in that filing on Sunday night, they cited case law that sums up everything we've been talking about perfectly. Quote, the criminal contempt statute is not intended to procure compliance. It's intended to punish past noncompliance. So he can't purge his contempt or cure his contempt by suddenly having Donald Trump waive non-existent privilege and going and talking to the select committee, even if he pled the fifth, whatever. Nope. Nope criminal contempt statute is not intended to procure compliance. It is intended to punish past noncompliance. Basically, we don't give a shit if you changed your mind. You broke the law last year. Now you're going to trial. And the judge agreed today. It was glorious. The DOJ won all of their motions against Bannon. I'll go over these briefly. And just so you know, Andrew Torres and I are going to get into the weeds tomorrow on cleanup on aisle 45. It's this whole other rad podcast I do with a real-life lawyer. You should check it out if you haven't already. He's also co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast. All right, let's go over these briefly. Ruling one. The judge, a Trump appointee named Nichols, says the Department of Justice need only show Bannon acted deliberately and intentionally in failing to comply with the subpoena. They do not have to show he acted with consciousness of wrongdoing. (laughs) That makes it super easy. That was one of his main defenses. Ruling two, Steve Bannon cannot argue he defied a subpoena under active counsel or that he relied on OLC opinions when he decided to fail to appear or produce documents. There goes another defense. Ruling three, Bannon cannot enter evidence about his prior experience with subpoenas or testifying that would support the idea that he believed he was immune from testifying or that the subpoena was invalid. Ruling four, Bannon cannot rely on an entrapment by estoppel or public authority defense. That means he cannot say he's innocent because the former guy told him he'd invoke executive privilege. Eh. Ruling five, Bannon cannot claim the January 6th committee is illegitimate. He says, as he did when he rejected his motions to dismiss the indictment, that the full house has repeatedly validated the committee's work. Uh, He is the fourth judge, fourth federal judge to legitimize the existence of the committee, by the way. Ruling six. A tiny kind of win for Bannon here. Judge Nichols said the DOJ cannot read the full indictment to the jury and prevents them from entering irrelevant evidence about the January 6th attack, which they weren't going to do anyway. As such, this will also limit the number of times prosecutors can invoke the full name of the January 6th committee. Okay, back to the Bannon bashing. Ruling seven. Bannon cannot enter any evidence at trial about the government's decision not to prosecute others for contempt of Congress. That means nothing about the decision not to charge Mark Meadows or Dan Scavino. Ruling eight, Nichols denies Bannon's motion to obtain discovery related to the DOJ declination decisions on Scavino and Meadows. So he can't get that information as evidence. Ruling nine, Bannon will not be allowed to subpoena Speaker Pelosi and other members of Congress under the speech or debate clause. He also wanted to subpoena Benny Thompson and other members of the January 6th Select Committee. And Ruling 10, the biggin, Bannon cannot delay his trial. He wanted it in October, then he kept filing and asking for three months. The trial starts July 18th, that's Monday. And after all of that, one of Bannon's lawyers quipped at the judge, what's the point of going to trial if we don't have any defenses? <laughs> that's what a guilty plea is for, bitch bag. Trial begins Monday. Buckle up. Now, there's lots of questions about sentencing, whether his past crimes count towards sentencing guidelines since he was pardoned before he was convicted. Uh, is it 30 days minimum per each count? Can they be served concurrently or do they have to be conserved consecutively? What's the maximum? Does he have a criminal history? What are the sentencing guidelines for this guy? And that's what that's the kind of wonk stuff that, that Andrew and I'll get into tomorrow on Clean Up on All 45. In other Bannon news, the former guy's attorney, Justin Clark, interviewed with federal investigators two weeks ago. The Justice Department revealed that in a court filing early Monday morning. That's the one we were just talking about. And that's a significant development that could reverberate in multiple investigations facing Trump's inner circle. Department of Justice prosecutors revealed the June 29th FBI interview in that court filing that just smashed Bannon and all of his defenses connected to the criminal contempt. And he's again set to go to trial for July 18th after stonewalling the committee for eight months, Bannon reversed course on Saturday, as we know, suggesting Trump waived claims of privilege and permitted him to testify, waived and permitted in quotes. Trump signed a letter, which was stupid. If you don't read it, if you don't have to, don't read it. It's just so dumb. But assistant U.S. attorney Amanda Vaughn said that Justin Clark had confirmed his June 29th interview. What DOJ long suspected he confirmed in that interview that Trump had never invoked executive privilege to block Bannon from testifying in the first place. And he told that to Trump's attorneys. And Trump's attorneys misrepresented that to the January 6th committee. Quote, the defendant's timing suggests the only thing that he has really changed since he refused to comply with the subpoena in October 2021 is that he's finally about to face the consequences of his decision to default. All of the above described circumstances suggest the defendant's sudden wish to testify is not a genuine effort to meet his obligations but a last-ditch attempt to avoid accountability. According to Vaughn, Clark contradicted multiple claims by Bannon and his defense team, including Costello, who has been under investigation as well, which had long-cited correspondence with Clark as the basis for Bannon's contention that Trump had claimed executive privilege. That's what they said. They told the committee, hey, we've been talking to Justin Clark. He said we've got privilege. He, He said we're privileged. Instead, Vaughn said, Clark told the DOJ that the former president never invoked executive privilege over any particular information or materials, that the former president's counsel never asked or was asked to attend the defendant's deposition before the committee, that the defendant's attorney, Costello, misrepresented to the committee what the former president's counsel, Justin Clark, had told Costello, and that the former president's counsel made clear to the defendant's attorney that the letter provided was no basis for total noncompliance. Trump's attorney's like, we never fucking said that, dude. Vaughn noted that the Department of Justice provided Bannon's team with an FBI report of Clark's interview on June 30th. They've had it. The day after it was conducted, they knew all this, yet they went on. Two sources familiar with Clark's FBI interview said the session lasted 45 minutes and was limited to a discussion of Bannon's case only. In addition, the sources said Clark did not discuss any of his conversations with Donald, which are treated as attorney client privileged. Clark and Bannon attorney Robert Costello didn't return requests for comment. The January 6th Select Committee recently revealed that Clark interviewed with them as well, raising doubts that the Trump camp's effort to send a false slate of electors to Congress in December 2020, part of a multifaceted plan to pressure Pence to overturn the election. So Bannon's attorney indicated they were aware of Clark's interview last week because they cited it as a reason to delay Bannon's trial last Friday. So they were aware of it and they wanted to delay that until October. So you burnt. Buckle up, Simon and Carbuncle. You're going to jail. And in the 1-6 committee hearing today, everyone's going to be talking about how Donald's December 19th tweet about Navarro's report, his 36-page report about the Green Bay Sweep, and how he told everyone to come to the Capitol on January 6th will be wild. Everyone's going to be talking about that. That's going to be one of the focuses of the committee today, from what I understand. Again, I'm recording this before the hearing. And the committee is expected to show that Donald knew his tweet would activate terrorist violence. But I want everyone to keep in mind, when we start hearing, and we've already started hearing it from some op-eds, why isn't the DOJ doing anything about this tweet? I just want to point out the DOJ linked the violence at the Capitol to that tweet Way back in March, when they indicted Enrique Tario, I talked about this. I was like, check out this fucking Easter egg in the Tario indictment. Everybody, look, look, look. Quote Tario imposed a command control structure on the MOSD. That's the Ministry of Self Defense, right? That was that encrypted chat group. And it says in the indictment on December 20th, 2020, the day after plans were announced for a, quote, wild protest in DC on January 6th created an encrypted messaging group for use by MOSD leaders. Again, this podcast episode you're listening to now is recorded on Monday night. I'll be live tweeting the hearing today, Tuesday, at 1 p.m. Eastern time from my wrote account. Follow me there. And speaking of Oath Keepers, in the weeks leading up to the January 6th attack on the Capitol, Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes tried to get the organization's lawyer, Kelly Sorrell, She was one of the blondes that was in the parking garage that night before with Tario and Rhodes. Kelly Sorrell, he wanted her to put him in touch with the White House. And that's what she told NBC News. In addition to her work with the Oath Keepers, Sorrell was a volunteer for lawyers for Trump during the 2020 election and was in contact with many of the people fighting the doomed legal battle to try to overturn the election and keep Trump in power. The contacts include, she said, people in Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell camps, as well as those inside the administration, although she added she wasn't like communicating with Trump directly. Rhodes wanted her to put him in touch with the White House. Quote, he was hitting me up for a contact, she said. He didn't have any access points, she said. As he prepared an open letter calling on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act in the weeks leading up to January 6th, Rhodes asked Sorrell to send that letter to the White House. As Sorrell tells it, despite her close relationship with Rhodes, she never put him in touch with key figures, putting a firewall between her work with the Oath Keepers and her work to overturn the election results. Nonetheless, she was on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol, although she didn't enter the building, on January 6th, and on the night before the attack, as I said, she was present in that parking garage as Rhodes met with Tarrio. Hmm. Sorrell has already spoken extensively with the January 6th committee and given her overlapping roles. It's likely that the testimony will come up at the panel's next public hearing today, much of which the committee has said will focus again on the role of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and the goal they shared with Trump to stop the certification of the Electoral College votes. A source familiar with the January 6th committee's work says Sorrell was of great interest to the committee, given her links in both Trump's orbit and with members of the alleged seditious conspiracy. I wonder if she'll be a witness. Her dual role could play a part as the committee tries to establish a deeper connection between the camps. Where there's smoke, there's fire. A person familiar said. <laughs> Rhodes attorney James Bright says he didn't think it was a story that Rhodes, who prosecutors say has organized a militia ready and willing to take up arms on behalf of Trump, was trying to get in touch with the president. He doesn't think that happened. <laughs> Quote, hundreds of people try to get in touch with politicians every day, he says. (laughs) Robert Costello, a lawyer for Giuliani, who's also the lawyer for Bannon, said Giuliani had no connection to the Oath Keepers. I represented Mr. Giuliani at the time. Keep Keep in mind, Costello's being paid for by that Trump pack. I represented Mr. Giuliani at the time. I don't believe he had a camp. In any event, Rudy Giuliani has no connection to the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys or any other fringe group, Costello said. (laughs) I think we're going to learn differently here today. Cindy Powell didn't respond to requests for comment. Last month, a judge ordered Rhodes' attorney to disclose whether Powell was paying their legal fees. Still haven't heard the result order. And down in Georgia, a Fulton County judge has ordered U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham to testify in front of a special grand jury looking into the possible election tampering by the former guy in the 2020 election. Fulton County Superior Court judge Robert McBurney, he's the guy who's the judge for this case, he ruled Monday that Graham will be required to testify on August 2nd after Graham said he would fight a subpoena to testify, citing executive privilege, executive privilege for discussions between you and Brad Raffensperger. Executive privilege. (laughs) What's really fun is that he's not citing speech and debate clause. Because. That judge, McBurney, just told those other two Georgia lawmakers, speech of debate clause doesn't count here because you weren't on the floor of the legislature and you weren't discussing legislation. Graham is being asked to testify in part because of his two phone calls to Georgia's Secretary of State Raffensburger, And in those calls, as we know, he asked Raffensperger to reexamine certain absentee ballots cast in Georgia to explore the possibility of a more favorable outcome for President Trump. Which is throw out the black votes is what what he was saying. And another interesting news today, former Attorney General Bill Barr has been subpoenaed as part of an ongoing 2020 election defamation lawsuit against Fox News brought by Dominion Voting Systems. Dominion filed to subpoena Donald Trump's former attorney general last week, according to the docket, the latest sign that the company's lawsuits against those who pushed false claims of election fraud may be gathering steam. As part of the Fox News lawsuit, Dominion recently issued an additional string of subpoenas to officials, including Raffensperger, who we know, and in its $1.6 billion defamation suit filed against Fox News last March, Dominion alleges that the network pushed false accusations that the voting company had rigged the 2020 election in order to make a profit and boost ratings. Fox sold a false story of election fraud in order to serve its own commercial purposes, severely injuring Dominion in the process. That's part of the complaint. Motions by Giuliani and Powell to have these lawsuits dismissed because they were sued, too. They were denied by a judge last summer. In her filing, as we remember, Powell wrote, no reasonable person would have believed her theories were truly statements of fact. No reasonable person. And also, former President Donald Trump's real estate appraiser, Cushman and Wakefield, said it's reached an agreement with New York Attorney General Letitia James. Remember, they were held in contempt, forced to pay $10,000 per day. Well, they're going to purge that. Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron, who is the judge in this case, imposed the contempt order on Wednesday. It feels like years ago. It was Wednesday. Finding that Cushman and Wakefield blew past a court-imposed deadline and even waited for one to expire before challenging the scope of the subpoena. James had been investigating whether Trump illegally inflated or deflated assets in order to reap tax benefits and insurance benefits. The investigation began after Trump's former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, testified before Congress that he'd been cooking the book. Cushman and Wakefield, a multi-billion dollar real estate services firm that has acted as Trump's appraiser on three properties, insists that it has been cooperative. I know we missed the deadlines. I know we didn't even object until after the deadline passed, but we've been super cooperative. Quote, since the beginning of the New York Attorney General's investigation, Cushman and Wakefield has endeavored, endeavored to cooperate with the Attorney General's investigation, responding to multiple document subpoenas and eight Testimony subpoenas. Eight. We will continue to work to produce the documents requested by the Office of the Attorney General by Wednesday, July 13th, in accordance with our agreement. That's tomorrow. And in other news, a California doctor is proposing a floating abortion clinic in the Gulf of Mexico as a way to maintain access for people in southern states where abortion bans have been enacted. The idea is to provide a clinic aboard a ship in federal waters and out of the reach of state laws. That would offer first trimester surgical abortions, contraception, and other care. And that's Dr. Meg Autry, an obstetrician and gynecologist and professor at the University of California, San Francisco. Woohoo! I love that school. Did you know that the Malarsie Road podcast is part of that curriculum at UC San Francisco? Okay. Quote, there's been an assault on reproductive rights in our country, and I'm a lifelong advocate for reproductive health and choice. We have to create options and be thoughtful and creative to help people in restrictive states get health care the healthcare they deserve. That's what she told the Associated Press. Very cool. Autry said the idea is only in the fundraising stage, though uh, through the nonprofit called Prowess, P-R-R-O-W-E-S-S, short for protecting reproductive rights of women endangered by state statutes. Autry said their legal team believes there's a swath of federal water where licensed providers could safely and legally provide abortions out of reach of state laws for women in southern states with abortion bans going to the coast and boarding a boat may be closer and easier than trying to travel to a state where abortion remains legal. And in today's what the fuck, what the fuck, days after spinning June's strong jobs report as American employment crisis, Fox News is now concerned with the month long drop in gas prices. What the fuck? As gas prices surged during the first half of the year, Fox News relentlessly blamed the White House for the increase and painted the pump, claiming it was due to Biden somehow harming the oil industry, which we all know is bullshit. And they blamed the Keystone Pipeline, which doesn't even bring gas to us and isn't even finished. Anyway, the high gas prices, they've been harping on them forever. In fact, there were memos that were sent out to Republicans when Roe was overturned saying, ignore that, ignore guns. And right after uh, Uvalde, they were like, ignore guns. Right after the Buffalo shooting, they like all these things went out, all these, you know, talking points went out to Republicans. Ignore the guns. Ignore Roe. Talk about gas prices. Talk about inflation. They've been on it forever. And while the network was all over the increase, it was slow, if at all, to acknowledge the steady price drop at the pump over the past twenty seven days. According to both Gas Buddy and the American Automobile Association, the price average national price a gallon of regular unleaded gas has dropped nearly forty cents in the last 27 days. And during Monday's broadcast of America Reports, co-anchor John Roberts finally broke the news to Fox News viewers that the price of gas was creeping back down near his home. His colleague, Sandra Smith, however, suggested this isn't a good thing, though, John. It is. I mean, it is, she noted. And the point was made over the weekend. I, I believe it was by the Wall Street Journal that gas prices are actually coming back down historically faster with the price of oil than usual. And she continued, and it just goes to show you what an incredible risk-reward calculation has to happen on the part of those small, independently-owned mom-and-pop gas stations. It's a struggle for all of them. <laughs> all right. So, damned if you do, damned if you don't, even if you can't. All right, time for a little schadenfreude. schadenfreude. One of my favorite people, comedian Sasha Baron Cohen, on Thursday defeated a $95 million defamation lawsuit filed by former Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Roy Moore, who said he was tricked into a television appearance that lampooned sexual misconduct accusations against him. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan upholding a lower court's ruling in favor of Sasha Baron Cohen said Moore signed a disclosure agreement that prohibited any legal claims over the appearance. (laughs) This judge, this justice, signed the waiver. The three judges also found it was clearly comedy when Baron Cohen demonstrated a so-called pedophile detector that beeped when it got closer to Roy Moore, and no viewer would think the comedian was making factual allegations against Moore. The lawsuit centered on Moore's unwitting appearance on the comics Who Is America show? The segment ran after Moore faced misconduct accusations during Alabama's 2017 U.S. Senate race that he had pursued sexual and romantic relationships with like 14-year-olds when he was a man in his 30s. He denied those allegations. Roy Moore, Republican, known for his hardline stances and showing up to vote on a horse. He opposes same-sex marriage, supports the public display of the Ten Commandments. He'd been told he was getting an award for supporting Israel. But in the segment, Baron Cohen appeared as a faux counterterrorism instructor Colonel Aaron Morad discussing bogus military technology, including the supposed pedophile detector. And that device beeped repeatedly as it got closer and closer to Moore, who just sat there stone faced. Wow, 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 he's very nice. All right, with that, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, online security is necessary to keep your private information secure now more than ever. I use Avast. Avast is a global leader in cyber protection for more than 30 years now and is trusted by over 435 million users. It prevents over 1.5 billion attacks every month. Avast empowers you with digital safety and privacy, no matter where where you are, who you are, or how you connect to the Internet. Enjoy the opportunities that come with being connected on your terms. Avast's new all-in-one solution, Avast One, helps you take control of your safety and privacy online through a range of features. Because Avast believes essential protection should be available to everyone. A free version of Avast, one, still includes award-winning AV, free VPN, free firewall, and much, much more. Access for this protection to everyone. It's free. You should start using Avast today. Avast's privacy features also keep your identity and actions hidden, which is nice. Avast security solutions stop malware, phishing, and virus attacks. Plus, Avast's performance products clean up and speed up your devices, making your life safer and easier. Avast has many features I've been looking for, including their firewall protection, which I love, helps keep my personal information secure, and prevents attacks that seek to access my computers and steal my data. I also enjoy their PC speedup. It optimizes the background activity of my apps in order to speed up my PC. It's so much faster. Thanks to Avast for supporting the Daily Beans. Confidently take control of your online world with Avast One. It helps you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cybercrimes. Learn more about Avast One at avast.com. And when the weather is warm, I can't help but get out and explore. And it's necessary to refresh and refuel after a long summer getaway. You ever feel zapped after you go to the beach or you go on a hike? You're just zapped like the sun zaps you. So whether you're planning for a big summer trip or recovering from one, it's important you give your body the fuel it needs to feel its best. I love Splendid Spoon for this. With Splendid Spoon, you can enjoy clean, delicious, stress-free meals in just minutes. Splendid Spoon takes the work out of eating healthy by delivering ready-to-eat plant-based meals, smoothies, and juices right to your door. It's tasty, easy, and nutritious, and it's so easy to fit into your schedule. Last night, I had the creamy mushroom and spinach noodles. Very delicious, creamy dish topped with spinach, peas, and vitamin D-packed shiitake mushrooms. Mmm, it was so good. And it was so easy to make, just a couple minutes. Splendid Spoon fits into any schedule, and there's a meal plan for everyone. Every single meal is 100% plant-based, gluten-free, GMO-free, so you can enjoy delicious dishes like creamy mushroom and spinach noodles, coconut curry, and cauliflower tikka soup, guilt-free. And with over 50 choices and a constantly rotating menu, there's always something fresh to try. Stay well-fueled this summer with Splendid Spoon. Get started today and save on an entire week of ready-made plant-based meals. Just go to splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe. That's $50 off when you subscribe at splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have good news, confessions, corrections, idioms of the world, idiots of the Senate, misheard lyrics, whoopee stories. Shared swears. Some of your favorite swears. I'd love to hear them. Find the cat. What's the mutt? Send it all to me at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, Claire from Scotland. Good news, or at least a silver lining to the shit show that is British politics. Many of us Scots are hoping that the debacle after debacle from Boris and his band of arseholes will help us in our quest for Scottish independence. In the words of William Wallace, aka Braveheart, freedom! Absolutely. It's the promise of Robert the Bruce. Okay, from Robbie. Hello, Beans Queens. After listening to episode High and Outside, I hope you're all doing well. I just wanted to share some good news. My partner and I welcomed our little boy, Alexander, into the world four weeks ago, albeit seven weeks early. And after just over three weeks in hospital, he's now at home and he's met his furry big brother, James, who was incredibly confused by such a small person and my two other children who love him so very much. Robbie, look at this baby. I'm so sad, Dana. I'm sending this to Dana out on the cruise ship, by the way, this baby. She needs to see this baby. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful baby. And look at the boy. Hello, doggo. So cute with the eyebrows. Thank you for sending that in. Next up from Choice Words, pronoun she and her. Good news. Last month, I took on the task of revitalizing a large community garden which had been abandoned during the last two years of COVID. This week, we had our first harvest of produce for the food bank. This is so fucking cool. Seven volunteers, 20 hours of hard work, and a couple of pounds of beans, quarts of greens, and an uncountable ton of garlic and onions. There's lots more to do, but we're already excited for fall and hoping to get more community involved. Pet tax, my contented tabby. Nougat. Oh, snoozing that waffle blanket looks comfy okay next up from anonymous pronoun she and her hey pods broads i hadn't heard that one before you ladies are my favorite morning listen you give the good with the bad in the best ways so thank you from the bottom of my very freaked out heart (laughs) you're welcome nine days ago my husband saw kittens in our backyard we have a cat sanctuary where we bring cats that have no chance of adoption blind not pettable been at the shelter forever because we're cat people, my husband went into action mode. Dun, dun, dun. I imagine putting like shoe polish under his eyes and a ski cap on, preparing to set traps the next day. The next morning, he screams, There's a cat in the pool. It was alive. Thank God. And he'd managed to get to it and stay on the ledge where the skimmer is. We got him, dried him off, got him to the vet, five weeks old. We don't usually take kittens, but this one was special. We named him Aquaman. The vet laughed at us and said he can't believe cats are now literally falling from the sky into our yard. We managed to trap and fix the mama, but unfortunately, no others. So we now have 20 in our care. The little gray man is our water boy. Here are pics of all our residents. Oh my God. Can I have this kitten? Do you give them away? (laughs) I want this little guy. I want Aquaman. Oh my God. He's so cute. Look at all these babies. We got a tabby and a long-haired and a crossed-arms gentleman tuxie and another tuxie with all peats in a row. And we have a rusty and we have a one-exempt-arm gray tabby. Three voids. There's another ginger. A couple more tuxies. One with a long beard that's very Gandalfy. We have a Siamese-looking guy. A gray and white. Another tuxie. Look at this f- chonk of a Maine Coon. Another ginger tabby. Oh, and look at the the seal point. The rusty looks like a Turkish cat um, with the other tuxedo. And then, of course, Aquaman. <laughs> These are so great. Thank you for sending. And if you're giving away Aquaman, let me know. All right. Next up from Terry. Hi, Beanie Babies. I saw this cat in an unusual spot. Pippa likes to cram herself wherever she can fit. She may be a bit blurry, but she's in there. The other pick is just her being cute as fuck. I listen every day. Thanks for all you do. I'm gonna go pay it forward and buy a year for someone. Oh, I feel like I've done this before. Fuck it, I'll do it again. I fucking love you, Terry. Thank you. What Terry's talking about is, for 36 bucks, you can buy a year premium subscription service. That's an ad free feed and and gift it to someone. And if you are interested in being gifted a year long subscription, you all everyone goes to the same place. Whether you're gonna give or get, get give, get get give. You go to DailyBeansPod.com. Scroll down on the main page. You'll see patrons helping patrons. I think that's what it says. Let's see if I can find this cat. Oh, hello. <laughs> I see her. Oh, so beautiful. My neighbors had a cat look like that. Avoid, void cat with the fluffies. The fluffy void named Smokey. So cute. Next up. And finally from Philip pronouns he and him. My mom visited recently. Oh, and by the way, when I say finally, I don't mean finally, Philip, you wrote in. I mean, this is the last story. My uh, mom visited recently, which is only once or twice a year that happens, and it was great to see her. We want only a handful of places, but it's always great to take her out to see Lake Michigan down at the marina where we can watch the sailboats. It sounds so, oh, that just sounds so fucking tranquil. I want to go. Second, much like another person recently admitted to, I also use the word hot notes at work. <laughs> No, mine was unintentionally during a recorded lecture where I do criminal justice and criminology in the news segment. Oh, hell, Philip. Awesome. And before realizing it, I said, let's move on to the hot notes. And then I started into the news stories for my students. (laughs) Thanks for being a source of information and mental health stability. Keep up the good fight and all the great work you do. Thank you, Philip. Tell them all I said hi and tell them I said hot notes because I still giggle every time I hear that. It's been years since I made that. Little sound bite that still cracks me up. All right. That is our show for today. If you have any good news you want to send in, anything at all, really, it doesn't even have to be good. Just whatever you want to send in, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And again, if you want to donate a year or if you want to get on a list to get a year donated to you of an ad free premium feed, you can head to dailybeanspod.com as well. And it's right there. Patrons helping patrons. Thanks for all of your donations. They're real. It's just amazing. That's so cool. You guys are just, you guys are so fucking cool. All right, I'll be back tomorrow with all of the hearing hubbub and also clean up on aisle 45. We're not going to talk about the hearing. We're going to talk about all the ban and legal stuff and whatever other legal stuff comes up. There's a lot and some other cleanup things and comings and goings, all that good stuff. But the beans, we're going to, we're going to talk about that hearing. And right now, if you're listening to this early enough, if you're listening to this before 1 p.m. Eastern, head over to my Twitter feed at Muller, she wrote M-U-E-L-L-E-R she wrote w-r-o-t-e follow me there and uh you can see me live tweet um i am basically just going over what's happening in the hearing you might get a little you might get a little colorful common color commentary um in there maybe some swears but uh yeah check it out follow me and uh, it's going to be cool um this is going to be an explosive hearing and i'm also really interested to find out why they postponed thursday What did they get from the National Archives that they need to put in the hearing? Ah, we'll see. Everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote blue over Q. I've been A.G., and them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane